9, verse 10 and 11, Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9 is a wonderful passage of Scripture. It sets in this passage uh, a couple of ladies who are crying out. One lady is named Wisdom and the other Folly. And as the writer of this Proverbs declares to us, this is really what we're all dealing with. We're hearing the cries, two different cries, the cry of wisdom for us to listen and the cry of folly for us to listen. This is what wisdom says to us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. That great reverential trust, not that cowering fear, but that reverent trust of him, knowing who he is and his greatness and that there is none like him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Amen. One translation says the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Insight. Amen. Those moments when you get that light bulb that hits you. Uh, If you were raised in the 70s, you might recognize this, the pop on the forehead that says I could have had a V8. I could have had a V8. Amen. But that aha moment, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding or insight. For by me your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. What a great and precious promise God's word has declared to us. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of someone like this. My, my guess is that you have, and maybe on several occasions. It, didn't matter, it doesn't matter what topic you bring up. This particular person would be a master in that topic. They would know all about it. Uh, at least they would give you the feeling that they knew all about it. These kinds of people uh, are, are just so knowledgeable about everything they think. Amen. But really, when, when uh, you query their knowledge, you understand that it is just mostly a facade because these people are what we know and call know-it-alls. Yeah, right? You ever met anybody like that? Don't point any fingers in the building here tonight or this morning. Uh, and here, here's the honest confession. I have been, on an occasion, a know-it-all myself. I have. I've acted as if I knew it all. Uh, uh, humbling are those moments when you realize that what you thought you knew, you did not know. And you were in the presence of someone who knew what you thought you knew a lot better, and they in so many words, schooled you on the subject. Amen. And so um, it is humbling to be corrected. But there are those times when you get in the presence of someone, right, and you realize this person knows what they're talking about. I I, uh, sat and wondered at our men's camp uh, trip uh, a few weeks ago and listened to Chris Dare and Adam Pelkey talk about trucks and cars and their engines and 
all the various things about the engine, the, the name of the engine, the number of the engine, the, the number of horsepower, and when it first started being installed in these vehicles, and whether it was a good engine or not, not a good engine. All this stuff kind of rolling off the top of their head, and I'm sitting there thinking, how in the world can you know information about cars and engines uh, just like that? But these people... Chris and Adam, uh, I guess you could say uh, Chris and, and Adam uh, were uh, in the know when it came to cars and trucks and engines, right? In the know. I've listened to, uh, I've sat at the same camp trip and listened to Chris Eubanks and Adam Long talk about camping and camping gear and all the things that you need and can have to, to camp. And I'm, I was thinking, man, how can you know so much about camping, and you, could, you should see that the, the rig, the thing that Chris has built uh, for camping, it is so awesome. Kitchen and shower all right there at his disposal, just folds out, it's just incredible. So I guess you could say, you might say when it comes to camping, that Chris and Adam are in the know, right? They're in the know. And uh, what such wonderful music we enjoyed here this morning. Mr. Courtney and Brother Jason and our worship team. Amen. So I, I guess you could say when it comes to music and worship, our worship team are in the know. Yeah. And uh, at a men's camp trip a couple of years ago, I listened to a gentleman they got on the topic of cryptocurrency. I don't know if you, any, any of you know what cryptocurrency is. I had heard of it, but I listened and wondered as this gentleman just talked about the ins and outs of cryptocurrency and how you should invest and why you should invest in this stuff. And uh, just, wow, I was wild at the knowledge base of Andre Singletary when it came to cryptocurrency. So I guess you could say, Andre Singletary, when it comes to cryptocurrency, Currency, Andre Singletary is in the know, right? He's in the know when it comes to that kind of stuff. And uh, when you get to, on the topic of landscaping, uh, if you listen to Bud and Jan Mooney and Zach and Lee and some of these other people, uh, even I got to talking to Jake Atkinson a while back about landscaping and realized he knows so much about this kind of stuff. And Deborah Lyons and other people. When it comes to landscaping, I guess you could say these people are in the know, right? You know, it's wonderful to be in the know about some things, to have knowledge of some things. But the scriptures tell us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is where wisdom starts, is when we really get an understanding of God and who He is. And that the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I like being in the know, and as many of you understand, I enjoy plants and flowers. So when it comes to landscaping, I have a depth of knowledge that some people do not have. It's not a great depth. It can be exhausted pretty quickly, and I know that there are other people who know so much more about that kind of thing than I do. Uh, but I want to be in the know about something more important than those kinds of things that we have mentioned here this morning. 
And uh, there, you know, when we, if we could get on other topics, there's people in this room that your, your eyes would light up because you know this topic. You're, you have understanding about it. You have depth of knowledge about various things. And so you can engage in the conversation. But here, here this morning, God's word has declared to us an essential knowledge that every single one of us must have. This is not something, uh, a course that we can skip, but that this is a required course in the thing called humanity, and this is an understanding and knowledge of the Almighty, of the Holy One that God has called us to. Amen. Daniel chapter 11 uh, is a prophecy about uh, a gentleman, at least in part about a gentleman, a king named Antiochus Epiphanes. Daniel chapter 11, in the latter portion of that chapter, it talks about what this man would do in uh, 167 BC, or BC. He would come into Jerusalem and he would defy uh, Jerusalem's God, the God of Israel, and he would set himself up as not only king, but he would set himself up as God. And in the temple, the temple that was dedicated to the worship of Yahweh, the holy God, the Jehovah God, he would offer on the altar there a pig, and he would defile the temple. Jesus echoes this prophecy in his teaching in Matthew chapter 25 when he talks about not only something that happened in the past, but it would be something that would happen in the future. And in these verses, in verse uh, 31 and 32, we see a prophecy about what would be happening in, in a time when people would get the courage to stand up and do something because they had knowledge of God. Listen to this in verse number 31. And forces shall he muster. This is uh, speaking of Antioch Epiphanes, and then I saw the future uh, fulfillment of this passage. Uh, And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices, and there in place there the abomination of desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But then these 14 words that follow that uh, prophecy, I think is more than just a prophecy. And I would like to submit to you this morning that these 14 words are the summary of the lives of the faithful. What Daniel declares here about what would happen with the Maccabean revolt in 167 B.C. also is applying to our lives today, and you can apply it to the lives of every faithful believer in the Word of God and follower of God. Where it says the people that do know God shall be strong and shall carry out. Great exploits. Amen. Amen. What a summary statement of of your life. If you're looking for a a logo or a theme about your life, why don't you adopt these 14 words and declare them over your life that you're going to know God and you're going to be strong and you're going to carry out great exploits for the kingdom of God. Amen. Daniel was taken from his homeland as a young man with several of his peers. Some of those peers, we can, uh, we can understand, decided to kind of disappear into the culture of Babylon, but not Daniel and not Shadrach and not Meshach and not Abednego. These 
four Hebrews, and I'm sure there were others, decided that they were not going to uh, just blend into the culture, but they were going to be, uh, be people who stood out. There were going to be young people who decided that they knew what they believed and that they knew God, and because of that relationship with God, God was going to give them the faith to do something great for his kingdom. Amen. It is told to us in the book of Daniel that they were chosen because of their giftedness, their wisdom, their possession, possession of knowledge and quickness of mind to understand, had the ability to do things that other young people did not have. They had the mind to apply themselves to some things and to learn. I read years ago, and this is my very first point, I read years ago a book by the uh, author Matt Keller, and the title of the book was something that caught my attention. Matt Keller, Keller wrote this book, and he titled it The Key to Everything. The Key to Everything. That's a pretty bold statement, right? I mean, to claim that you know the key to everything. And even in the very introductory words of his book, he says, I know this sounds preposterous. I know it sounds bold, egotistical. He said, but I really do believe that what I have hit on is the key to everything. And his declaration was the key to everything is teachability. Teachability. A willingness and a desire to learn something is the key to everything. And I think... It's very possible that he has hit on something that's very, very true. Teachability. And so here's the thing. If, if we are going to be in the know, if we are truly going to be in the know, we, are, we have got to be people who are teachable. We have got to be people whose minds are open to somebody else teaching us something we do not know. I remember years ago someone just really getting on somebody about something and, and telling them something, you know, especially because they didn't know something, and they just really just gave this person a piece of their mind. And at the end of that statement, the person responded back and said, well, you weren't born knowing it either. Well, isn't that true? We're not, none of us born knowing uh, a lot of things. That we have to, through life, we have to learn things. And we have to, we must. It is imperative that if we are going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be in this world today, we have to be teachable people, people whose hearts are open to learning. And this is the case for Daniel and uh, his peers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were open to learning. You know, the situation for them was not that great, right? They had been taken out of their homeland, put in a culture they didn't uh, understand nor agree with. And yet these young men decided they were going to make the best of the situation in which they found themselves. They opened their heart. They were teachable. And I, I love to see these young people sitting on these front rows because to me it, it establishes this idea of openness and readiness to receive. Amen. And these children that sometimes fill these uh, seats over here, they're a readiness to receive. 
Amen. And this, when we step into this place, uh, this building, this is not a special place in the sense that the brick and mortar is anything special, but this is a place of learning. We should come into this building ready to receive, having prepared our hearts and having prepared our minds so that God can speak to us. And I thank God for what happens in this building on a weekly basis, the teaching and the preaching that happens in this building and across this campus. But let me, let me tell you something that you, you really need to hear this morning. And that is, is, if this is your only interaction with this book and with the Word of God, you're missing out on some things that you need. You need to establish a relationship with this book that carries you into Monday and through the rest of the week. And when you come here on the next Sunday morning or Wednesday night, your mind has been primed with the Word of God already. Your spirit has been primed with the word of God already so that you're ready to receive. The people that do know their God, the people that are in the know are teachable. Teachable people. This is what the book of Proverbs gives us in chapter 9, this contrast between those who are not teachable and those who are. Verse number 9, or 7 through 9, tells, uh, speaks like this. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. And then the writer of this proverb turns his attention to the wise person and says, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Amen. This teachable spirit that is so important when it comes to uh, the things of God and knowing God, that we open our hearts and say, I want to know something more. I want to learn. Teach me. Teach me. I, I think as I see and read these, two, these passages in, in verses 7, 8, and 9, I see two different spirits here. I see the spirit of Satan popping up in the first uh, couple of verses there. Uh, the, the spirit of Satan that says, You're, you don't have anything to tell me. You don't have anything to teach me. Uh, you, you can't speak anything into my life. And certainly you don't, you, you don't have the right to rebuke me. This is the spirit of Satan. That when someone speaks wisdom to us, even in a, a rebuke or something, that, a reprimand that is meant to build us up, not tear us down, but meant to make us better, that we push back on it. So I want to I speak to every one of us in this room this morning. We need good people, loving people who will speak truth to us even when it hurts us. We need this kind a voice in our lives. And, you know, I'll be honest. Initially, there have been some things said to me that have caused me to rise up, bristle a bit, and sometimes retort back with harsh words as if to say, you don't have the right to say these things to me. I remember years ago, I had a pastor, a loving pastor, a pastor who loved me. I knew he loved me. But he looked at me and he said, Larry... Uh, he was talking about a particular thing that had happened. He said, Larry, you are better than this. Ah. So I wanted to think I was good and good enough. 
But what he was saying to me is that I needed to examine some things in my life and act better. He was calling me up to a better way of living. It didn't feel good, but it was right, and I needed to hear it. And we need to be careful that we don't have this unteachable spirit of the evil one who, who says, you don't have the right to speak into my life. I don't care if you call yourself pastor or teacher or whatever. You don't have the right to say these things to me. We all need somebody who will look us in the eye and tell us things that we need to hear in a loving manner, obviously. I'm not talking about being harsh and brash with, with truth. You know, the, the Word of God is a lamp to our feet, and a light to our path. It gives us the understanding that when you're trying to talk to someone and tell them something maybe they don't want to hear, that the best thing to do is shine it at their feet so they know how to walk. Often we want to take the truth and just put it right in people's faces. I mean, I mean a blinding thousand-watt truth right, right in the eye. Oh, We need to be loving when we speak truth. Please shine the truth into my life. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. So at a young age, Daniel and his three friends were teachable. They were teachable. Years ago, I heard this slogan. I think it was an anti-drug slogan, but it said, A mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I think that's so true. I think it's so true. God has given you a brain. For the love of all that is good, use it. Use it. I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes we Christians, we can get so weird about some things. I remember years ago I had this good man who said to me, do you think God could speak to me through a fortune cookie? A, for, a fortune cookie. You know, I said, you know what, if you've been reading your word, the Word of God, and you've been counseling with godly counsel, and they are all saying thing, and this fortune cookie happens to say the same thing, then maybe so. But I wouldn't go with a fortune cookie for direction from God. And we can be so superstitious if we're not careful. And we can, because something happens, you know, somebody who... We think praise says something to us. We automatically believe that that's the word of God for our life. Well, here's the word of God for your life, folks. And if we know this, if we know this, then we'll know if what somebody's saying to us is truth or not. We got to be teachable. We got to be teachable. Amen. So people in the know are teachable, but also people in the know are discerning. They're discerning because not. All knowledge is equal. This is why Daniel declares the people that know their God. The people that know their God. We need to be discerning when it comes to knowledge because not all knowledge is equal. And there should be some knowledge that we reject and we push back on and we say, I don't want to know about that. I'm not going to allow that into my mind because God has given me a mind that I want to keep holy and pure and clean for His kingdom. And so there's going to be some things I'm going to push back on, I'm going to reject because I'm discerning when it comes to knowledge because I want to know above all things, I want to know God. 
And this is why Daniel and his three friends pushed back on the king's meat because they knew that that was a step toward defiling themselves. And they had determined in their hearts, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, that they would not defile themselves with the king's meat. So not all knowledge is equal. Not all knowledge is equal. I, I, uh, when I was recently diagnosed with this follicular lymphoma that I'm dealing with and taking treatments for, uh, I remembered a question that uh, a lady who had been diagnosed with breast cancer had come across. It wasn't even her original question, but it was a question that she had read in some writings of somebody else, and she, she talked about how it ministered to her and helped her. And that question was, she said to her breast cancer, what have you come to teach me? And I thought, that's such a good, good question. What have you come to teach me? I don't know what you're facing and uh, the impossible thing that has been spoken over your life and the, the things that uh, you, you're wondering about, but I'm telling you that if you'll approach every situation in your life with this understanding that there is something to learn, God will bless you. I think it's a very, very good question. What have you come to teach me? And it's a question I've been asking the last several weeks as I've looked at my own health. What has this come into my life to teach me? But the people that do know or know their God is more than just being teachable. It is being discerning. We have to be discerning. In this culture, young people, I want to tell you and declare to you, you have to be discerning because not all knowledge is equal. There, are, there is an, a foundational knowledge, an essential knowledge that you must have and you must have it in your mind and your spirit through God's word. You must have a, a disciplined, disciplined relationship with this good book that will teach you some things. And be like Daniel who says, I will not allow my position and my place to say, allow myself to say to myself, it's okay for me to do this when I know it's not. To give myself that liberty when, and take that liberty when I know I should not take those liberties. We have to be discerning. Not all knowledge is equal. There are some things that we must reject. We must have a discerning palate, if I can say it that, this way. Discerning palate. I don't know if you've got any coffee drinkers in the, the house this morning, but I was late to the coffee drinking game about 15 years or so, um, uh, about 45 years before I, oh, before I started drinking coffee. But I have come to love coffee. Amen. Now, not as, quite as much as my wife, who is late to the coffee drinking game as well. Now, I usually drink one cup in the morning, and then I'm pretty much done with it for the rest of the day. But I do love that one cup in the morning. And I can't, you know, I don't want to go without that. And if I have to go without it, I'm extremely disappointed. <laughs> Probably should stay in bed for the rest of the day. But, you know, over the 15 years, I've developed a, a little bit of a sense of a palate of being able to taste some things in coffee. And one of the most wondrous tastes that can be combined with coffee is chocolate. I'm just telling you, an, an Italian roast, a dark Italian roast with a really, not just a hint of chocolate, but a good, bold, slap you in the face 
coffee, uh, chocolate taste is awesome. But I, I, talk, I hear people talking about the fruity taste here and this the notes of this and notes of that. And I sit in uh, bewilderment because I can't, I can't figure that all out. I don't taste those things in coffee. I just give me coffee, taste, and some chocolate, and I'm good. But developing a discerning palate when it comes to coffee is, is, is exciting to some people. Let me tell you, there is a palate that we must develop and a discerning palate that we must develop when it comes to knowledge. And that is an understanding that we must be very careful what we allow into our brains. Amen. Because a mind, a brain, is a terrible thing to waste. As I've gotten older, I've learned to understand the wisdom in a similar statement. A waste is a terrible thing to mind. I'll say that again. A waste is a terrible thing to mind. Amen. So we must be discerning. We must be discerning. Amen. I think a good question is, what have you come to teach me? But I tell you that as I have thought about my own life and my situation, my health, I think I've hit on a better question. And that better question is, what have you come to teach me about God? What have you come to teach me about God? Charles Spurgeon said this, and he, he, just struggled, he struggled with the depression and uh, other health issues in his life. Uh, but he said this as he grappled with things that he could not understand. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. In other words, if something even as harsh as something that would pick me up and violently throw me against something, if it gets me closer to God, then thank God for it. I don't know what you're struggling with, what you live with in life, but I... I may have come here this morning to declare to some person you need to release the victim mindset that has been forced upon you or one that you have adopted. God is calling you like he called Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach to have a hero's mindset, an understanding that if God put me in this situation or he allowed me to be in this situation, he wants me to be here for a reason. And just like Joseph, I'm going to declare you may have meant it for evil but God has meant it for good he's gonna make something good out of this he's gonna make something good out of this amen amen so we must be discerning T.F. Tenney one of my favorite pastors over the years he said this about being open minded he said don't be so open minded that your brains fall out He said, I'm all for being open-minded and learning, but just don't let your mind get so open that everything falls out. We have to be discerning. What have you come to teach me about God? Amen. I believe Abraham. God could have said to Abraham, now Abraham, I want you to know that I am Jehovah Jireh. 
and Abraham would have nodded. Okay, that's good information. But God didn't speak that to Abraham. God took Abraham through a situation, a gut-wrenching, life-wrenching situation where God asked Abraham to offer the promised child Isaac upon the altar. And at the very moment, Abraham drew his knife back to take the life of his precious son. God stopped him and declared to him, Now I know that you fear me. And showed him where there was a sacrifice caught in the bushes, a ram caught in the bushes. And through that gut-riching situation, Abraham was able to look at that place and declare over that place where he experienced that, Jehovah Jireh. It was one of those V8 moments for him. The aha. And see, God didn't speak into Abraham's spirit and say, hey, just want you to know I'm Jehovah Jireh. It was a life experience that taught Abraham, oh, he is Jehovah Jireh. I can see Abraham slapping his forehead and saying, aha, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And it was something that Abraham was able to declare for the rest of his life, something he knew because life taught him that. I know sometimes we want God to zap us with stuff. Zap me with patience, God. And I know I hear people say don't pray for patience, but I believe it is a virtue that we must have, and I believe we should pray for it. I just don't think that we often realize what we're going to get when we pray for patience. Because if I want to develop patience in my life, the only way to do it is to get in situations where impatience wants to rise up and try me. Life will teach us a lot of things if we'll have an open and discerning spirit. Amen. Thirdly, the people in the know are valiant. They are valiant. This is what Daniel declared, and I think it is an apt summary of every person of faith's life. Scriptures, post-scripture, sitting in this building today watching this broadcast. It is an apt summary of your life. Because if you do know, if you know God, there will be a strength that will come to you that nothing else will provide you. There will be an ability and a faith in you that you will not get anywhere else if you do know your God because God has made himself knowable. He's not far off. He's not listening and watching from a distance. He's close. He's close as a mention of his name. He walks with us. He talks with us. We can know him. And if we do know our God, we shall be strong. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm challenging every single person sitting on these chairs and watching this this morning. I'm challenging you. If you do not have a relationship with God's word, 
It is high time to develop a relationship with God's Word. And if the only interaction you get from God's Word is when you step inside this building, I'm challenging you to get a deeper relationship with God's Word. Oh, the blessing and the strength that this Word will bring to your life, a knowledge of the Holy One that will give you insight. Insight into things. You'll be able to see into some things that you can't see any other way except through the knowledge of the Holy One to help you be in the know. And it will cause you to be valiant. It'll cause you to do things and risk things that you never would otherwise because you do know your God. You know God and that knowledge brings to you strength. And that strength causes you to act in ways that you wouldn't act otherwise. And what we need in this day and time is people who are willing to do great things for God. Amen. It may be walking across the street and meeting your neighbor. It may be having them over for dinner. It may be talking to a person in the checkout line. Just striking up a conversation. But it's valiant things that God is calling us to. Not mundane things. Not mundane everyday life that's so boring and and dry and and not exciting. God is calling every single one of us to an exciting life of faith. A life that will cause us to do valiant things. Not normal things. Not us things. But things that push us out of our comfort zones. So that we impact the kingdom of God. One last point before I close here. Uh, I want to declare to you here this morning that you don't have to do what I'm doing. Or what Pastor Gaddy does. Or Pastor Nate or some of the other staff at this church or other ministry leaders. You don't have to, to be that to be a minister. Some of the greatest ministers are people who work Regular jobs, jobs where they go and they meet people. You have access to people that sometimes we don't have access to because of what we do. You know people. And God is calling you to be a minister in those hospitals and in those doctor's offices and uh, in your neighborhood and in those nursing homes where you work and on, on that construction site where you work. God is sending you as a valiant, courageous person so that you might speak to them and speak courage into people's hearts. So I, I want to call somebody here who's you've not had a relationship with God's Word in a long time or maybe you're very new to this thing called Christianity and you've never really read the Bible yet. I want to challenge you to get in a relationship with God, God's Word, so that you will know Know God and you know who He is, and so that faith will cause you to do great and valiant things, to step out in faith and do something for the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to call some victim minded person sitting here. You have viewed yourself most of your life as a victim, and it might be that you were a victim at some point, or maybe currently are. And I apologize for that. I am not making light of that. But what I am saying to you, you can view yourself as a victim 
are like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you can rise up and say, I am not a victim. I have been put in this place by God, and God can use what has happened in my life for the kingdom of God. Get a hero mindset that says, I'm going to stand up, and with the help of God, I'm going to do something valiant. I'm going to know my God, and I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to be valiant. Amen. So I think the good question is, is what have you come to teach me? I think a better question is, what have you come to teach me about God? But I think the best question we can ask ourselves is, as we experience things that we can't explain and we didn't expect, is what have you come to teach me about God that will propel me into action? That'll that will keep me from sitting on the sidelines. I love the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11 is such a great, powerful chapter. Chapter 12, as the thoughts of 11 are being summarized, the writer of Hebrews says, seeing that we are compassed by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want you to notice something, that this great cloud of witnesses that the writer talks about, those in the stands, in the Colosseums, up, up in the nosebleeds even, filled with faithful people. But those people were people who had already gone on. See, there's no, there's no spectators in the kingdom of God, in, in, the, in the area of faith. There's no spectators. We're all involved in this thing right now. We're all a part of it. And we don't have time to be a spectator. God has called us to be valiant people, people who do know their God, who are strong, and people who attempt, carry out, Great exploits. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. So here's my closing challenge. This won't be difficult, but if you want a better relationship with God's Word, in a moment I'm going to call you to step forward. Just make a commitment. I am going to do better at studying God's Word. I'm not going to leave it up to the teaching staff and preaching staff of this church to tell me what I need to know, everything I need to know about the Bible. I'm going to get a relationship with God. And there's people here who will help you. If you need resources and you need to know how to study the Word of God, we stand ready to help you. I also want to speak to somebody that for, for most of your life, you have viewed yourself as a victim. And I've prayed over this this morning, that God would help you. If you will step, just make a, I know that coming to the front doesn't mean that all this is just done. But if you would make a commitment that you're going to change the way you look at yourself. And you're not going to view yourself as a victim anymore. You're going to see yourself as the hero God has made you. I also want you to take a few steps forward into this area here at the front. And maybe, maybe you're, you've been living a life of a hero. 
And maybe some of the, the dreams that you saw God unfolding in your life, there's been a setback and it's confused you. And you thought, well, this is what I thought God wanted me to do. This is how God wanted, uh, I saw God unfolding this. And I just want to encourage you to say, tell you to keep on believing in the dream that God has given you. Setbacks are going to happen, but you can persevere. You can push through. You can believe. If you will know God, He will take you through this time of disappointment. And He will show you that He's developing you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's just trying to develop you. Amen. And so I'm, I'm calling you here this morning. If you want a better relationship with God's Word, or if you want to change your mindset, or if you just want to be encouraged, I invite you to the front of this building right now. Come on, let's, let's make a commitment to some things. It says, I'm going to know God. I'm going to know God. And I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to carry out great things for Him. Amen. Come on, let's begin to pray all across this building. Lord, encourage us. Encourage us, God. Encourage us, Lord. I pray in the holy name of Jesus. Oh, God, across this building as we come forward, Lord, help us to make commitment to you, Jesus. Commitment to your word, oh, God. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to be people who are teachable. Help us to be people who are discerning, oh, God. And help us to be people who are valiant, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.